Excuse me, I furted. What's playing in your head right now? The Humpty Dance. <laughs> no. <laughs> I felt nostalgic for it because I, I heard it. I heard a snippet of it the other day and I was like, oh, I haven't heard that in a while. Like, that's a middle school thing, man. Yeah. Nice bass line. I can remember being at a party in seventh or eighth grade and that song being on. I, I really love those songs where you can hear like one or two notes and you just know exactly what it is. It's just, like yeah. you get this emotional rush. You're like, ooh. Yep. <clears throat> those are fun. Well, John, did you participate in Prime Day? Uh, no, I missed it. I did too. I, I had a bunch of stuff in my cart, but I never clicked buy. Oh, oh, wow. That was a fail. I just didn't have time to even get to Amazon at well, all. My problem is my cart started getting up into the hundreds. and I was like, uh, I need to stop. <laughs> I walked away and then I... Because I meant to kind of go in and call my list and then, um, you know, make the purchases I needed to make. Yeah. That's dangerous. Apparently, it was uh, quite successful. There was their biggest sales day ever. Mm. And it was 60% higher compared with last year's Prime Day. And they had those lightning deals. Which I missed. You have to just keep watching throughout yeah. the day. I love how it has a tab for, like, what you missed. Like, it's just like throwing it in your face. Exactly. Like, uh-huh, you, couldn't, you didn't get this. I don't know about this year. I'll have to wait to see what packages we get that show up. But I know last year, uh, my wife took advantage of several lightning deals. They sold 90,000 TVs yesterday. Yeah, they had those uh, 4K TVs on there. They're it, like... Isn't everything... Everything's, you can't get something that's not 4K, can you? Or can you? I don't know. It's like Nothing 3D everything. It. I mean, if you're a gamer, the new game systems are hey, starting to support what it. What happened to 3D? Remember that that was going to be a thing? That was, that was never a thing. But but the funny thing is now every TV is it's basically 3D ready. It's got the capability. Cuz no one wants to spend but no 100 one, bucks per Yeah, well, yeah. Or 200 bucks. How much were those glasses? I don't know, but no one wants headaches. That's true, too. <laughs> they, they I never like 3D. I always I've regret stop going to 3D movies. I too. I only go to the the IMAX ones when I can. But unfortunately, because because it's really unfortunate when you're when you're going to the movies. Is this a movie podcast now? Because yeah, we're gonna get negative comments, <laughs> negative reviews. <laughs> because now now every, hang on, John. Every, Salesforce. Okay, go ahead. Okay, every blockbuster that comes out now takes up like three or four theater rooms. It's got the IMAX, the H, the whatever the standard HD right. version, and then yeah. the the 3D. And if it's really big, it'll have two 3Ds taken up. And so, like, if if you're a, not a blockbuster movie. You're going to a non-blockbuster movie. You're in the back of the theater in the smallest one. Right. And it could be packed because people are like, I don't want to see that crappy, quote-unquote, blockbuster that you're yep. trying to ram down my throat. It's like separate but, but equal for movie yeah. theaters. I was like, <laughs> like, really? We're in the back? I, like, I was like going into like this hallway, and it kept turning, and we're like going way deep. And I'm like, am, am I going to end up in a different country by the time we get to the theater or to the room? Yeah. <sighs> there are... Um, Oh, and they don't release that. This is an estimate, but guess how many how many prime members do you think there are in, just in the United States? Millions. I don't know. Millions. Sixty three million. Oh, wow. <clears throat> I mean, how many adults are there? Like a hundred, two hundred million. That's that's like twenty five percent of adults. It's crazy. It's not just a. You might. <laughs> and my daughter's on Amazon. Well, she's not on Amazon, but but keep in mind also she has a wish list. Like you guys represent two adults, but you only have to have one prime account. And in fact, some of the news coverage I was reading of this was talking about how 
you know, Amazon's going to have a growth issue with their Prime program because they've already, I don't want to say saturated, but they're they're reaching saturation levels with people that just that could that could possibly buy Prime. I mean, what's that possible I mean, we, number? My wife know? and I still have unique accounts, but we our Prime membership is linked. Yeah, that's I think that's yeah. the way ours is. Yeah, they sold two million toys, one million pair of shoes, and that's what I missed out on. I wanted to buy some new shoes. I've been wanting to buy a new pair of shoes, and yesterday I find, I find buying shoes online <clears throat> prob, uh, uh, an issue. I've done it exclusively online for seven Especially or eight years. Especially if you now. don't pay attention, you end up with like some European size, and you're like, oh crap. Um, yeah, their shoes were 60% off yesterday. What about socks? I need some cool socks. No, they probably had those too. 23,000 Roombas. It's a lot of lazy asses. You have one. We do. And you know what's funny? It's been, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. She got us this Roomba. It's a, it was it's like a nice one. I think there's a new model of it since, but it's still, it's, it's at the top of their... We have one too, and my wife wants the new one because it, you can control it with your phone or something. And this one you can't. Well, okay, so I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, no, my mom got this for us like a year ago. And we used it once and then just put it up in storage. I just didn't like the way it worked. And you have to like set the little blocker things up and it just seemed like a pain. Um, but I don't know what happened, but my wife got a, a hair up or something to, to get this Roomba out. <laughs> And so she gets she gets it out, and charges it up, and now it's being used every day. Hmm. Um, this is even though it's one of their better ones, or was a year or two ago, one of their better ones. It still it's, it's it has a little, you know what? I think the only optics it has, the only sensor it has, is it does have. I, I believe it's infrared, so it can see the little blockers, and so it knows where its home base is. Hmm. But other than that, the only sensors it has is the bump sensors, right? And so when it bumps into something, it will. Pick literally an arbitrary angle to rotate to and then go that way. And so if you look at the path it takes, it's incredibly inefficient. It, you know, some places it'll just do one path through and other areas it'll, it'll go over 50 times. Yeah. But these newer ones have some kind of um, spatial awareness and it learns your room and it knows where it has been and hasn't been. And it ultimately can like learn like what's a fairly optimum path through the room. So you'll just see it go, you know, backwards and forth through the room instead right. of instead of just random instead of vacuuming like literally what it is which is like a blind like a blind person would do if they didn't know the room at all actually even worse than that probably I think a, I think a blind person would figure out the perimeter of the room first, the shape of the room and then they would because I think when you you well, know they, say, they, they have say, the concept of spatial awareness much the, more so than sighted people right. do supposedly so but yeah so that's apparently what these newer ones can do but they're expensive. I mean, you're looking at what a thousand bucks for one of those? I don't remember. I don't want to remember. I know she wants to upgrade. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, compared to having cleaners, I mean, having someone clean your house once a week, that you're looking at, you know, five five to seven thousand dollars a year for that. I mean, so. it's not it's not a tool for cleaning. I mean, it's more kind of a, just a maintenance. It's almost like just running a broom across the floor every so often. It's it's to me, it's that. It's not the deep cleaning that you would get from a high end vacuum or anything. It's just. A great way to maintain, especially when you have pets and kids and crumbs and everything everywhere. It's it's a good way to keep it, you know, yeah, tidy. Yeah, you're right. It's um, it's yeah, it's for light maintenance. Yeah. All right, Johnny, you ready? I just I just realized I got a great opportunity for this. 
For me? Are, yeah. we, are you quizzing me? Yes. Oh. Okay. You're going to have to guess for each country I list what the number one item that was sold on Prime, Prime Day. Or at least the type of item. How about that? That's fair. Okay. All right. So, first of all, let's take globally. What was what was Amazon's best-selling device, like electronic device, globally? Electronic device. <clears throat> Kindle. I don't know. Close, kind of. The Fire TV stick thing. Oh, ah, I should have said that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. what was overall, what was the top-selling item or type of item in the United States? Overall, the most, in the whole? In the United States, like the... The, the top-selling item. I don't know, Roku? I don't know. This is crazy. Instant pot 7-in-1 multifunctional pressure cooker. Oh, yeah, that was that was in my face. I remember seeing that. It was like one of their top-billing items. I wonder if the... Um, I just think anyone was buying it. I wonder if the FBI will be investigating all those purchasers. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Um, how about uh, the UK? What was the top-selling item in the UK? Like, just in general, or electronic, or what category? It, overall, no category. Overall, no category? Yep. Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. You have to guess Give something. Give me some, like, A, some, some hints. Uh, that's, that's too hard. Just pick a category. Type of thing. I'm going to go with electronic, and I'm going to go with, uh, hmm, I don't know, uh, water pick. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was an Oral-B Pro 6000 cross-action electric toothbrush, but I'm going to give that to you because that oh. was, you hit the category. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Spain. Top-selling item in Spain. Yesterday, Prime Day. Um, a toaster? I don't know. Uh, hmm. Sorry. <laughs> the SanDisk USB memory stick. Really? Yep. Okay, Japan. Top-selling item in Japan. No, I don't know. Some. You'll never guess this. Hello Kitty character. Jap- even weirder <laughs> than that. I don't know what's up with the Japanese. Okay, so it's the Calbee, C-A-L-B-E-E, breakfast cereal, 800 grams. Breakfast, breakfast cereal? cereal? Come on, Japan. That's boring. They, they live and breathe everything technology, so maybe cereal is like, I don't know. All right, Italy. Uh, a, a, a spoon that twirls your spaghetti. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> With the sauce in it. You just offended all Italians. <laughs> they would never buy something like that oh, on that's Amazon. Right. You're not, yeah, you're not <clears throat> supposed to do that. All Lexar right. jump drive. So they the Italians and the Spanish, they're kind of doing the... The, the USB stick thing. So I'm seeing a theme. I mean, most people are going to Amazon to buy their electronics. I guess, yeah, I think so. Okay, so Germany and Austria. What's their top-selling item? T- type of thing. Again, looking for a category here. Television? The T-Fowl Jamie Oliver frying pan. You know, I've seen those Jamie Oliver frying pans. Those have got to be garbage. They're cheap. There's no way those are any good. <laughs> Just because they've got his m- mug on the packaging doesn't make it any good. I mean, didn't we learn our lesson with all of Emeril Lagasse's crap that he was selling? 
There's always a new generation. I know. All right, final final country. Oh, no, there's two more. Okay, next one is France and Belgium. Just give me a category. France and Belgium. Um, food, food category, uh, kitchen utensils. Yeah. Game of Thrones DVD, seasons one through four. All right, last country. Our neighbors to the north. Canada. The, the Canadians. <laughs> no idea what Canada is. Uh, a poutine bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll give you a ding for being funny. <laughs> Sennheiser HD 598, special edition over-ear headphones. Hmm. All right, John. I hope you have some good compression on that because that was loud. <laughs> that was loud? Yeah. <laughs> and then I took it off my ear and I thought, no, that's loud enough that if I take it off my ear, it's my like, voice it'll come or through the, my mic. Or the music. The music. Well, uh. your, your voice was matching the music <laughs> volume, so. Walmart had free shipping all the week. I noticed. And I was like, what's going on here? Because I ordered um, a new, you know, giant mother load of Tums. Smoothies, they're uh, they're better. And I ordered from Walmart. So I, I, you got those like crazy. no. I went through. I went to Amazon and they were like seventeen dollars. And then on Am- on Walmart they were like seven dollars with no shipping costs. But I, I then I later realized that's because all week they've been doing all these deals and free shipping on everything just to uh, counteract to compete. Yeah, to compete. Competition is good. Yep. <clears throat> all right. I, I I need. We need to do some shout outs. We need some shout outs. All right. To our friends in the community. The community. The the moonity. All right. It doesn't work quite as well, huh? Like you can shorten America to America. Can't say moonity. No, the hood. The hood. In our hood. All right. So who are we shouting out to? Sorry, I have an itch. <laughs> now you can't do shout outs to your house boys you have pinned up in your cellar, John. That doesn't count. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you well, did you did feed nothing. them this week, right? I did. Okay. Whiskey. <laughs> I'm not sure that's uh, sustenance. It is for me. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> all right. So if, if you're wondering why Shell, Shell Black has been kind of quiet these days and he hasn't done yeah, a we've whiteboard been in a while. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone's actually people are asking where for in the where, world is Mr. Shell Black. Well, he's been busy uh, building a business and, um, and creating some content for his site. So you'll notice he's got a few new blog posts. One of them in particular I'm very familiar with, and that was his experience with setting up Pardot. Oh, this is an ad. Yeah, we must have an ad. I didn't see the check coming in, so I'll have to keep my eye out yeah, for that. So, um, but for those of you that are looking for content, you know, along the lines of whiteboard, he has two new ebooks and infographics out on his website. Go to shellblack.com. You can click on ebook. Had, or, now, on where did he find all the spare time to do all this? He didn't. <laughs> Trust me, it was a lot of um, late nights, from what I understand. Hmm. But the article on Pardot actually is pretty good because I, it, it was. Um, Part of the new gold rush for Salesforce yes. consultants. <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of one of those things. You sign on, you get into it, and you, you have all these ideas of grandeur. Um, but then you realize you're paying month by month for something, and you, it takes you forever to release because you're, you're trying to get all this stuff, all the creative and all the stuff for marketing, and get all this organized and built and designed. And um, It's a lot of work. So um, if you're interested in hearing that story and getting some tips on, on how you should get started with Pardot. Shell Black Duck. Hmm. Cool. Uh, we got some reviews. Well, the, now these were ones that we 
had come in before, but we didn't know about them. All right, so here's the story on reviews. The way iTunes works is in order to see reviews that aren't in our country, so U.S., we have to actually kind of physically monkey with the URL or or um, on iTunes there's a little language icon and you have to change the country. And that's the only way for us to kind of go in and actively see if we have reviews and, you know, sometimes we forget. So I actually found a service. It's called My Podcast Reviews. This is another free ad. Man, what am I doing? I'm giving it away. <laughs> actually, I think this guy's a fellow podcaster that created this. I think he had the same issue we had and, and built a little tool out of it. Um, and so basically what it'll do is it'll actually aggregate from iTunes and Stitcher and I guess eventually Pod Directory coming soon. Yeah, we don't do Stitcher because yeah, they're kind of scammy. But at least there's a free version and that, that'll let you kind of ping your reviews on a monthly basis. And then there's different tiers of pay. So you could do like a, a you know, solo podcast and you can get weekly or, you, or if you can go another step to the pro version, you can get like daily and weekly notifications. But I just went for the solo. Um, and so what that allowed is that it allowed us to aggregate our reviews. So now we'll have better visibility on who's writing reviews. All right. And so we can show sure this is super exciting. <laughs> How is it not super exciting? Not only is it inside baseball, but it's the most boring kind of inside baseball. Oh, is it? Well, well let's just get well, to our reviews. A lot of people are cr- starting to create podcasts and interested We're, in it. And somebody right now is probably typing a negative review as we speak because I thought this is about Salesforce. All I talked about was Amazon Prime and this software they use to run their podcast. And shellblack.com. And, yeah, and there's someone <laughs> named Shell Black. All right, so Andy, I, I know, I know. I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm, I'm horrible with names, but Mahood? Mahood? That's a Mahood. Mahood? 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 Mahood. Mahood. He's a Brit, right? What we are doing. Right, so, but so you he, don't says, even... <laughs> he gave us five stars and he says, the only Salesforce podcast I listened to and stuck with. Actually interesting digging out news in Salesforce and related tech and perspective of Salesforce. Lots of genuinely funny jokes too. Yeah. Enjoy the honesty clear. Clearly not just a vehicle to talk up Salesforce. Just what we all need in a world of Salesforce lightning app cloud citizen developers. Right. That was a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. And that's one of the, he's one of these guys like I'm honored to get a good review. I mean, I'm, I think... I'm honored anytime we get a good review, but especially from someone like that. Yeah. Who, you know, he's been, it seems like, you know, his name, he's one of these guys that his name pops up everywhere. Right. You, you got to search for something and he's given the answer, right? Right. Why do you, why do you have this big crap eating grin on your face? <laughs> well, the, another, okay, so there's another review um, that I'll get to, but we have an old review because before we we're actually, you know, putting reviews on the podcast, uh, Michael Gill, is it Gill or Jill? Gill. I would say Gill. Gill. Um, he had written a review, and I read it, and it, that was, it was on my screen, so I thought it was funny. He wrote a review, so you read this it? Was like a, yeah, this was like, what, in 2015, a year oh, ago? Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was one that we never talked about because we didn't have the visibility, but... Uh, and I don't, I'm not sure I put together like who he was, because I... He, what, is, what is his little you know, handle? What do you call him? Uh, isn't he agent? Yeah, agent, agent something? Agent Gill? And I didn't. I don't think I put it together at the time who he was. Yeah. Um. So I'll read his review because because again I was looking at. It. It says yes, another UK fan who credits himself as the original and first good day sir fan of the UK responsible for tuning, tuning on the overseas masses to the edgy, close to the bone, and always honest assessment of the Salesforce ecosystem. Damn, these guys are like Eddie Murphy of Salesforce podcasting. Eddie, what have you done for me lately? 
<laughs> That's actually funny. <laughs> That's what I was like. <laughs> these uh, reviews give me imposter syndrome because I'm like, there's, there's no way that we can live up to these reviews. <clears throat> um, I, I think people are being generous, generous, but, generous? I, but I appreciate it. All right, so last one. This one's from Canada. This is our first Canada Go review. So we Canada. Had, we've had U.S. and, U- and U.K. Um, I know we have listeners in other places, so. Oh, Canada. Are you going to do it justice, or are you just going <laughs> to no, butcher it? I don't, that's the only words I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's all I know, too. Uh, this is from uh, G. Flynn. Who's G. Flynn? That sounds familiar. Yeah, Jeff, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Good, say, good day, sir, is the first podcast I listen to once I see that a new episode has been released. I like they take an objective view of Salesforce and are always talking about it in relation to other technologies. I like the pace of it, especially in the car. And I feel like I've learned something new about technology in each episode. I also like that they branch off into other topics like whiskey, beer, and cooking tips from Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, cool. Yeah, he's uh, an MVP. Yeah. All right. So that's our review segment. Thank you, guys. Yay. Really appreciate it. Um, hang on, hang on. Thank you. All right. That closes the segment. All right. Uh, for, for, for a podcast that, you know, I was thinking we're going to keep short and we didn't have much topics on, I, I still have not gotten to the meat of my topics. So we'll, we'll continue on. Do you have something real meaty? Because I do have a couple of things to talk about before we get into anything meaty. Um, I have a couple of things that could be meaty and I have a couple of things that it could just be throwaway. All right. Well, let me, since you did something let's let's alternate how about that can we agree to do that we can agree to do that all right so i was listening to the stack overflow or is it the stack exchange podcast i'm not sure what they call it Mm -hmm. and those guys have created this new thing called hyperdev you can google that now hyperdev hyperdev it's actually a play on hypercard which um do you remember hypercard no um but anyway what it is is well i mean hypercard was this apple thing that kind of like uh programming on rails or something i don't know but it's a, I don't even know how to describe this thing, HyperDev. Uh, you should check it out. That's very cool. Or it sounds cool. But it basically combines like automated deployment with instant hosting and collaborative editing. Um, so you like you, Google Docs of coding? Kind of. So you and I could be working on the same exact project and it would be real time, like Google Docs level of real time collaborative editing of stuff. Mm-hmm. But what's cool about it is it's not just like saving your document. It's literally, as you type, it's r- compiling and redeploying your app as you go. It's based on like Docker, and they only support Node right now, but they're planning to support, at least initially, the other dynamic languages. So I think they mentioned PHP, Python, uh, Ruby, which is a little harder for whatever reason than something else. Hmm. Um, but when you start, when you create a new app, it literally takes two seconds to create a new app. And then as you're developing, let's say you change some HTML or some CSS or a little bit of JavaScript, it literally is as you're developing, it's deploying, and it's a under one second round trip from your keystroke to seeing the change in your browser, the web app. So almost similar to Swift, where you can have your, your IDE and you can actually see the results of your, your changes fairly quickly, almost in real time. What do you mean Swift? Swift doesn't even work that well. I mean, on, if you're talking about a real oh, iOS project, are you talking about the, the playground thing? Yeah. Okay, yeah. this is, yeah. So I think this is more than that. The playground is, this is not for eight-year-olds. I mean, I should take that back. There's probably eight-year-olds that could make use of this. Um, this is not for 
young children who know nothing about programming. Or, you know, at least not the first thing. Whereas the Swift Playground is very, I mean, my, my so seven-year-old could do that. Adult Swim programming. But yeah, it's based on, they, I mean, they, the way they accomplish the speed of, of, of startup and everything is, is because it's Docker-based, Docker lightweight containers. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think they, use, they said they use WebSockets. That's what is, um, oh, you're right. constantly listening to your keystrokes and it's firing just as you go. Looks really I've, cool. I've always thought a kind of, that kind of IDE would be great for, for team development. I'm not sure how it would work in practice, but I mean, I, I think in some situations when working with a large team and trying to, you know, do some kind of pair program or something like that, it, it would come in handy, but I'm not sure what the community appetite is for that type of pro- product. I'm not either. I mean, if you could take that type of, um, just the, the, what do you call it, the round trip time mm-hmm. and the collaborativeness and put that, somehow mix that into a real software project. I mean, this is this is early days for this thing. It only supports Node. It, I don't even, and, you know, because what they say is, hey, don't worry about, you know, your your build scripts and don't even worry about Git or anything, which, okay, you just kind of lost me there on for right. a real project. So I think it's, it, will they eventually figure out how to like bring that down to your file system and let you do Git and and do more complex projects with, uh, probably so, but right now it's it's, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna all of a sudden take your, you know the the your you know half million line code app and switch it over to this thing and be developing it on on that. It's not gonna happen. And who'd you say made this? The Stack Overflow guys. Really? Yep. Like formerly Stack Overflow <laughs> that moved on to nope. create this, or nope. this is a Stack yeah, Overflow I think product. It may be. It may technically be the Fogbugs developers. I'm not sure. Hmm. But yeah, did you, did you look at it? Did you I did. It? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's the first thing that comes up in Google when you search for that, so, yeah. Yep. Look it up. Cool. All right, your turn. Uh, speaking of Stack Overflow, segue. Okay. Uh, they have created a new site called Stack Overflow Research. Hmm. And this is actually really interesting because, you know, when they did the annual, when they do the annual survey, we usually get their interpretation of all the results of the survey they did, but we don't get access to the, the data behind it. Well, that's changing because now with really? the... They didn't give access to the data? That's, that's a very non-Stack Exchange thing to do. Considering that all all data from Stack I don't think it was is, an intentional. We don't want you to have it. I just don't think they it, when they present their results, they present it from their perspective. It was a survey that they conducted, but okay. now I think they're going along with the lines that you're thinking of. Is that let's make all this information available. So now all of the results from 2011 to this year, 2016, are now available in raw CSV data format. So you can go in and look at it you can trend it over time year over year um, depending on the type of question and how you know if it stayed consistent and you can you can do your own analysis can you analyze it with salesforce wave analytics i'm sure you could you can, can import csvs into analytics can and, you deploy it onto a docker lightweight container um i'm going to say yes cuz docker lightweight <laughs> containers are awesome and they can do anything in the unicorn puppy rainbows that would be amazing ah <laughs> <clears throat> uh, it's awesome Sure is, Leo. Yeah, um, that's good. That data is interesting. Maybe we should look at it and, and depress ourselves more about how we're working on depressing technology. Um, okay, my turn. <laughs> so uh, there's this new TV show that HBO launched. It's almost like it's what replaced. So the Game of Thrones season just finished. And now on Sunday nights, there's, there's a brand new show called The Night Of. And the night. season one was available... Starting a couple, it actually aired on HBO. I think this past Sunday, 
but it had been available for a week or two on their HBO Go or HBO Now, whatever it's called. <clears throat> but I'm just going to say it looks pretty cool. So if you're if you have HBO or one of those things, or if you know how to use the internet to obtain content, then check out the Night of. Is this another one of those shows you have to like watch over and over, or what? In order to like understand it, or yeah, I don't. I have an so. issue with like, shows where I have to be invested in them over a long period. So IMDb for this first episode gives it nine point one, which is pretty far out on the bell curve. Mm. The synopsis is after. After a, after a night of parting with a female stranger, a man wakes up to find her stabbed to death and is charged with her murder. So it's, a, you know... A whodunit? A, kind of. A, just, oh, it's, a, it's a mystery. Cause the, it, so you start from the end and you're... You work backwards. You work backwards. Yeah. Actually, I think I heard about that. I think, it, I think when I saw it, it sound, seemed intriguing. But again, I think it's one of those things you have to watch. So that's my... Uh, we don't do picks, but that's my pick. That's your for pick. This, for this week. Yeah. <laughs> the night of. All right. <laughs> All right, John, your turn. Back to you. Boom, 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 boom. And back to you in the studio, John. Thank you, Jeremy. As you can see, it's really windy here. <laughs> but I'm, I'm risking my life to report the news. Bring it to you live. <laughs> what was this Texas accent you got there, John, when you're doing your reporting? I don't know. I listen to Texas news reporters. My name's John Santiago, and I'm out here in the weather. It's about to blow me up. Oh, look at that stop sign just flew by. <laughs> You're cut off. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even started. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to use my turn to do a shout out to Roger Mitchell. How's that IntelliJ uh, IDE going? You know, it's it's growing on me. It's growing on you? You know, yeah. I installed it because you, you gave me a demo of it and kind of showed me a few things on it. I think I can, I think I might like using it, but it's going to take me getting used to it. I've gotten so used to Mavens and, or Adam, basically, and I'm really proficient at it. And I could tell... I'm, I'm going to, productivity-wise, I'd go back like 10 steps to learn a new IDE. Yes, because you're learning a new IDE with, with you know, and right, it has its I've own. because I've never used IntelliJ <clears throat> before. So. I mean, IntelliJ and Eclipse, they're, they're, I mean, you know, obviously they're they're quite similar, but they, they're also quite different. Right. Um, you know, how it decided to slice up features and key, key bindings and all kinds of stuff. And on top of that, then you're learning how this Salesforce plugin works. Right. And just because of how awkward Salesforce development is, I mean, in any given development environment can only make it, there's only so much you can do to make it seem like a natural development experience. Right. You're just dealing with the limitations of how Salesforce works. But no, I, it's, um, it's... I came across, I did come across that <clears throat> same issue that you came across where I created the project, I selected what I wanted in that project because I think I got it post the update um, where he actually... Um, doesn't select everything to begin with. You only it only selects the most common ones. That is a brand new thing. He just that was in a build that was pushed but out. There's a another days step ago. after that, which even though you told me about it, I forgot about you it. You didn't sync. I didn't sync. Yeah, and so I was like, "There's nothing in my project. What's going on?" Right. And so then I had to manually go in and sync. Right. And then when I did that, it, it brought up that interface. Doesn't take long to figure out what you did wrong, but yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's you know, and it's an IDE. I mean, this is not, um, this is not Instagram. This is not the Facebook app where it's designed right. for literally the <laughs> bottom of the barrel of society to be able to use. Ouch. Ouch. That's some strong words. <clears throat> well, I mean, that's what, that's what they're how designed for. How do you feel for. about Pokemon Go? Don't get me started. <laughs> that's how I feel about that. Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, 
so speaking of IDEs and, and all the things, and, and basically because Maven's Made is kind of on pause right now, so that it has all of us in the community or, or many of us, you know, thinking, well, what what else is out there? You know, in case in case development doesn't start back up, or or you know, maybe maybe they decide to go another direction and not continue to maintain it. What's out there? Um, and so Roger Mitchell um, with Arc is doing out and published a blog post, and he evaluated quite a few of them. And um, you kind of. Blurred over it. He's Roger Mitchell with Arcus, A-R-K-U-S. Right. Not, this, not that this is an ad for them, but... Did I say that too fast? Yeah, you did, actually. Oh. Well, they are a Salesforce consulting shop, I guess. And I know they um, have a, at least a division that specializes in nonprofit, but apparently they've got several developers, that, including Roger, that, that work there. Yeah. Where are they out of? Chicago or... I want to say Chicago. Could be wrong. <clears throat> uh, but they also have the podcast, the Cloud, Cloud Focus Weekly. Yeah. That's like the longest running Salesforce podcast ever. They have like 470,000 episodes. <laughs> they, they need to go and pause so that we can catch up and then we can make it a real competition. I told you that's, that's actually a game. I, that's, a, that's a game I don't want to win. If I win that <laughs> game, that means I've spent far too much of my life behind this microphone. Um, so anyways, it's a good read. Um, he covers, a, you know, at a high level, a bunch of different options that are out there. Um, at least it exposes you to what's out there. Um, so it's worth a read. I'll put it in the show notes so you guys can go check it out. But um, yeah, and I'll I keep taking notes on it. Um, some of the things I've had listed in the cons column, I've actually moved over because, or I had I removed them because I just found out I was didn't know how to access a feature mm-hmm. or was doing something wrong. Um, but it's man, it's pretty nice. I mean, it's just it's so nice to be able to use IntelliJ and actually have pretty damn good like IntelliSense autocomplete. You know, Command P to show the parameters of a method. Um, it autocompletes inside Sockwell, which is great. Um, I saw someone's coming. I think it might have been Roger that he, his his assessment was that it's almost in, on par with Eclipse ID. Now I haven't used Eclipse ID in probably several versions, but to me this blows the Eclipse plugin out of the water. In terms of, I mean, the, the IntelliSense didn't work right. You know, it was just kludgy and slow. It was almost and non-existent. Even, even the syntax highlighting of Apex and Visual Force didn't work right oh, yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah, and. It just this this plugin for me so far it works way better and the the guy who writes it Scott Wells is his name um, he's got a couple of Google groups he created for Q and A and just questions and he's really responsive and he's, say, he's been extremely he's even been going responsive. back and forth on email with me yeah. um, and fixed a couple of bugs for me so I'm I'm still on my trial but I can't imagine that I'm not going to end up putting up some some greenbacks for this guy yeah <clears throat> absolutely. <clears throat> Should we talk about the uh, elephant in the room, the the non-confirmed elephant in the room? I don't even know that I know what it is. This is it's an invisible elephant. See this, the the plot thickens. <laughs> well, I can see it. it's it's a pink elephant, and I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Okay. <laughs> what is that? What is what's the elephant? The rumor that that Oracle's going to buy Netsuite. Oh yeah, no, I think that's. And it, I think that may happen. I mean, it's based on nothing. I just think that makes sense for Oracle, possibly. Larry Ellison's been investor since, I think, day one. He and Zach Nelson are still buds. Um, and, you know, it'll get them closer to $10 billion, right? Because they want to beat, you know. It is absolutely my dream, and I'm dedicated <clears throat> to being the fastest to $10 billion. Wouldn't it be great if, if Larry could deny Mark's wish? His dream. Sorry, his dream. Yeah, so yeah, Larry would be competing against that, and 
Then he'd, he'd give his victory speech and say, and I did it with Dr. Lightweight Containers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I told you in that boardroom we should support Docker. Yep. Yeah, that, yeah, I mean, I, that, I, that I would be know. interesting. So that gives, I feel like this, I mean, this space, you know, as far as, as much as enterprise computing can be interesting, it's actually fairly interesting. I mean, maybe it's because we've been following this thing for a while now yeah. um, and watching just this, this competition develop and Oracle, you know, moving so quickly and with so much energy and resources in the cloud right. and Microsoft with new management, a new direction, new attitude, putting all their, you know, doing Azure and then just cloudifying all their apps. And um, it's getting really interesting. Um, this gives, so this would give Oracle basically, you know, to me, NetSuite is like small and medium business, I guess you could call it ERP in the cloud. I don't know how much HR that NetSuite does. I don't remember much of an HR component, but that could have changed. I don't either. I, oh, it, little <clears throat> little bit of trivia. Jeremy and I are certified. <laughs> At one yeah. point, we're certified NetSuite. <laughs> I wonder if we still are. NetSuite. <laughs> yeah, is that, yeah, I don't remember getting a notification to renew my certification. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's funny. One of my, the one reason why I decided I didn't want to go forward with NetSuite is because literally every module you go into looked like it was designed by a different company. Oh yeah, and was well, just it's not, not even great. a true multi-tenant. Like, I, mean, I remember at the time, unless it's changed, they were spinning up a whole new instance for you. You, know, you want to hear the sad conclusion to this saga? What? Now that's how I feel about Salesforce. Mm. <laughs> well, we can talk about that. I actually have a topic that will cover. It could could lead into that. So, <clears throat> Oracle, what's your take? A gonna happen. Now, going to happen eventually, or not going to happen I at think all? Likely to happen soon. Likely to happen soon. It just makes too much but there's sense. There's truth to the rumor. Plus, I mean, there's just so many reasons why it makes sense. It fills it fills a a hole in the product offering. Let me ask you this: gives, from a from a financial perspective, I like how you, do, you actually don't want my answer. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is what we do to no, each other. We cut right. each other no, off. No, that's right. We're uh, <laughs> I'll shut up. Let me know when you're done. Okay, so it fills a hole in, in Oracle's product line. It gives them access to a new small and medium business market. They already know each other. They're already on each other's boards. They're already investors. NetSuite runs on Oracle. Mm-hmm. It gets them... I, how much revenue does NetSuite do a year? Have they hit a billion yet? They, I think they're right around a billion, maybe. I thought they were like $2.6 A year? I think so. Really? I think... Well, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think that's their market cap. I mean, they're public, right? I think their Net market cap is $2.6 billion. revenue. I don't know how to spell revenue, but Google does. Seven hundred. Okay, last year was seven hundred forty-one million. So they'll probably, I'm guessing, they might hit two. Uh, sorry, a billion this year. So that just gives Oracle another billion in the cloud column. Yeah. In between, I mean, if, if Oracle's cloud growth is as good as what they say it is, and they can do an acquisition like this, maybe another one, then they could beat Salesforce to ten million. Well, they've got the money to do it. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah they've got they've got cash. I mean, they're <clears> going <throat> to buy their way to ten billion, basically. They might. Yeah, so, so my question to you. I so rudely interrupted you with <laughs> is <laughs> you have a soundboard and you opted don't have, to do sound yeah, effects. I don't have a, I don't have a uh, drum roll. Yeah. Do you know if if the impact this has had on the stock price, like w- before this was kind of the rumor that happened? Do you think they had some kind of deal that says, okay, we're locking down stock price right now in terms of buyout? Because right now the stock price is shooting. Well, and that hurts negotiations for right. Oracle. But if they've already come to an agreement, then and also, what 
the board at NetSuite has to understand is the reason that stock price is going up is because of Oracle. So you kind of don't get credit for that. Yeah. Because when the rumor goes away or is denied, then that will well, be, the market will reconcile that the, price the back down. The rumor of a Salesforce buyout also drove their stock up. And it did, but it came back down. It, it did, but then it went back up. Like yeah. it was like it, it did. Create, it was it created, like it created it, a new normal it for it. That ceiling yeah, up, yeah. and now their new ceiling is easier to ex- yeah. access. Yeah. In fact, I think they're up now. It reminds me, I put a link in the Slack team earlier today about uh, it's what was it called? The conundrum, you know, Salesforce conundrum, profit versus growth, just goes into how they're. I don't know the 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 profit story and how they're overvalued compared to their peers and. How it's going to be difficult for them to retain the the top. They have no bottom line, right? No, there's no profit. So how to retain the top line growth so that they, uh, because they're selling at like, you know, seven times, uh, seven times sales or something like that hmm. is their valuation. And that's, you only get a valuation like that when you're in massive growth mode. You know, if you're interested, check the Slack channel. If you're not, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and if you're still listening to this podcast, at 40 minutes in, you probably should go to gooddayserpodcast.com, click on community, put your email address in there, unless you're a spammer, and John will personally send you $100 and an invite to our Slack channel. <laughs> no. Oh, wait, not the $100. Not the $100. But you will give them an invite to the Slack channel. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so I have, let's, let's play a name your own adventure. You're, you're halfway in the story. Now you get to pick your path. Okay. Jeremy. All right. Do you want to talk about lightning or do you want to talk about agile? Let's talk about agile. All right. So uh, I guess it's this week or earlier this week, uh, Salesforce engineers tweeted a, their 10 year anniversary of being agile. I remember when they did their thing. They did, um, I believe, some flavor of Scrum. Mm-hmm. And I, I know the guy whose name escapes me who they brought in to help them with their transition. So here's my question. That was my, my leading topic to it. Is okay. Agile killing the architect? Video killed the radio star. Yeah. <laughs> Agile killed the architect. <laughs> <laughs> so Julian Brown, uh, Julian, I always want to say Julianne, but I think it's Julian. How do you spell Julianne? A-N-N-E? Yes. Okay. That, that makes sense. Is that who this is? It's Julian. Julian, so, okay. That's a, yeah, there's that's no a dude. N-N-E. There's no Probably a dude. Me at the end. <clears throat> no, it is. I saw pictures. <laughs> <laughs> very dude-like in nature. He's very dude. He's a dude, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, apparently there's an event in the UK called Runaway East in London. I had, don't know what that is. Maybe our UK buddies can fill us in on what that event. It's apparently a tech event, but there's a um, LaFosse Associates. LaFosse? LaFosse? I don't know what that is. Is that French? L A and then space F O S S E, La Fosse. Probably La Fosse. La Fosse. That's probably right. yeah, yeah. La Fosse. There's not an accent on the E, is there? And so I, I guess whoever's the force. Whoever's hosting the topic for them posed the question: Is Agile killing the architect? And I th- it, it became a controversial and debate debate worthy topic because you know is the the methodology of agile and sprints and, and breaking off your your development cycle into smaller chunks of functionality is that break is that killing the role of an architect who typically views the solution in an, in a kind of more entirety from a it, higher level it kind of does um, and this kind of gets into 
I hate calling myself a software architect, even though I have to in certain contexts. Oh. Because if you call yourself a developer, then, oh, he's not even a senior developer, much less an architect. Oh, you're, you're not senior level two? <laughs> senior, yeah. See, I know I'm senior. De- hey, uh, my name's Jeremy Ross, uh, senior level, se- senior developer level two. <laughs> I've been advocating to get um, business cards with uh, developer Super Saiyan. Level, Super what? Super Saiyan level three. What does that mean? Oh, well. Super Sand? Super Saiyan. Super Saiyan? Yeah, it's a nerd thing. Okay, yeah. I'm not nerdy <laughs> enough for this. You've exceeded my nerd capabilities. <laughs> um, but yeah, I so I do, uh, in, like in, in, I don't know, business cards, or when I have to introduce myself, I sometimes, depending on who it is, I'll say architect if I think that they will be underwhelmed by the term developer. But I actually reject the notion of an architect. It just, it just connotes ivory tower, big upfront design, mm-hmm. um, which I just reject all these things. And that's what architects would do. And now, instead of that, you have teams that work collabor- collaboratively together. You don't have, there's not, you know, casts or um, hierarchies on the team. It's just everyone's an equal team member. It really doesn't matter right. who you are. <clears throat> are some people stronger at some things? Some people are stronger at other things? Sure. Are some people more senior than others? Sure. But it's not enshrined in titles and statuses and who goes to what meetings and who gets to sit in the ivory tower. You know. And just, I, I, and just that, that, that notion of the big upfront architecture, the what, um, was it Martin Fowler? The, he, he had some Latin term for like arc, um, astronaut architect. Mm. Um, you know, just that, that idea is just, it's, it's outdated. It's part of, it's part of an old process that didn't didn't serve us very well in most cases. So yeah, and, I, was, and I would say that agile the, killed the, the architect. role of an architect from inception has been kind of to look at the solution in its entirety. Correct. I mean, it it wasn't something that was kind of. But nowadays, the whole and, team should do that. Right. I mean, I mean, that's the whole point of agile. I mean, it's 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 these smaller chunks of functionality, but everyone is involved. It, everyone has to be involved. It's 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 part of the charter of it. Right. And and you end up with a much more cross-trained team. Right. In well, fact, it's less of a dictatorship and more of a, I guess, a democracy, I guess right. you'd call it. I mean, and I, you know, there's a project that I've worked on, been, been fortunate enough to work on for quite a while now. And we have just the most awesome, self-directed, self-managed team there is. There's, no, there's really no, there's no one architect. There's, I mean, there are, we do have like, unfortunately, there's like multiple product owners and that kind of gets complicated in the, in some, some cases from a political sense, but you know, once we know what our priorities are, then we, you know, we just we we run everything. We run our own. Um, we we groom the backlog. We 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 kind of we do iterations. It's basically on a weekly a weekly thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's totally self managed. And and when we take any given story from the backlog and put it drag it to the current to the working column, then either the the team as a whole, or we'll, we'll, sometimes we'll do, you know, kind of like a little sub team will form and just figure, oh, well, how should this work? How should this tie into what we've already done? What should the screen look like? Should it tie into this thing or should it be you know, some net new thing? How we figure all those things out. There's no one, there's no one person that has the, that responsibility for deciding those things. It's the team. And, and, you know, there's always that tendency because we all grew up in contract driven, big up fronts, you mm-hmm. know, agreement on, on scope and, and time and price and all that crap. And so, and, and, and most things are, 
again, this is something you learn in lean. Like we're taught, it's just human nature to think in batch mentality, right? Mm-hmm. And with lean, that's what you have to work out. You have to think more single piece flow, right? And it's so hard because you, it's always going to be your nature to go back to doing things in batch. Right. What is it with that? <laughs> I mean, it just is, but, but you know, like you're, that's your lizard brain, right? That's your lizard brain thinking, but you know, it's the best thing to do to have small, either small batches or single piece flow. Um, same thing with, same thing with, you know, software process. And, and we'll always have to remind ourselves, oh, you know what? Um, we should really get everyone involved in this. Or, or you know, it just seems like Jeremy's been doing all the, all the work on this, on this certain module. We should have, you know, Jason um, take the next story for that module. Mm-hmm. So, we on, so we always make sure we're cross-trained. We don't develop our own little places that we naturally would start to, it starts to feel like your code. Right, it's you your own system. It. Yeah, your domain. I mean, anytime someone says, "Oh, that's uh, that's Jeremy's thing," he did. That's when I'm like, "Nope." You know what? You're getting the next story for that area because it's not mine. <laughs> None of us own this. Right, and that's that's you know, uh, having that mentality of the team owns the code, the project, everything um, is I think really healthy. It, it for lots of reasons, but you end up with you know again cross trained people, but also there's not um, you don't you don't people don't judge uh, jump to like blaming. Um, Kind of like a blame-free. What's mm-hmm. the word for that? It's like you know, with retrospectives or what do they call them? Um, what's the the, the nasty uh, word for retrospectives? Oh, uh, shoot, um, postmortems. Postmortems. Yeah, yeah. Um, those the, those should always be, uh, and it's it's hard too. But you know, blame-free type of things, so that you create an environment where people aren't scared to say, "Oh, you know what? We should have done this differently. That was, and that was me. I did that, but now I see I should have done that differently." And if you're in a really, if you're in one of these environments where you've got someone that's that's blaming you or punishing you for actually speaking up and making things better, then that's not good. Right. But that's very hard. Still today, you walk in any office with a, with a software development team and they're going to, you know, lots of them will be struggling with these things and we'll, we'll be very much on the, they're, they're not even out of the starting box yet. They're right. doing, they're, it's like, you know, a team from 25 years ago. Yeah. I'm also sympathetic to those that carry the title and role of architect. I mean, they're, they're basically expected to have a crystal ball in front of them. And by that, I mean to have enough experience and knowledge to know just about everything, even though there are a lot of things that are out of control, out of their control in terms of how the project progresses, the requirements, or even just the um, re- you know, outside impacts to that. I mean, I've seen plenty of examples where some outside either regulation or something that no one has control over except maybe the government – um, kind of changes how you can implement something or changes how you can do something or even com- completely derails it. The key to gaining control is realizing that you have no control. There is no spoon. And if you develop on Salesforce, the key to gaining control is realizing that you can't gain control because Mark Benioff has control. <laughs> and if you don't like the way that he logs or the performance or the speed of anything, then that's just too bad. Because <laughs> you signed a contract and you're stuck. <laughs> So it was back to Julian Brown. Um, he, he, I think what he tries to do in this article where he tries to make the case for the architect is he tries to evolve the role of the architect. And that, is this a Salesforce guy, Julian? No, no. This has nothing to do with Salesforce. This, okay. is, this is a technology thing. But the Salesforce engineering guys like, tweeted this or shared this or something? No, this was, this was actually an article I've, I've had on my docket for about a month now. So what's the connection to Salesforce engineering and their 10-year anniversary? Mainly agile. So I use that as a way to bring this topic up. Okay. 
Because <laughs> it's agile. It's talking about okay. agile and, and the role of the architect. And okay. it, that's something okay. that applies to Salesforce. I just didn't know if there was some connection there other than that, but that's No, cool. no, no, okay. no. This, this was actually, you know, my research, my, my finding this topic and, and bringing it up. Oh, but I tied, it in, I tied it in with Salesforce to see how I did that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, Salesforce tweets something. I go, oh, I got something you, just for you that. Get a cookie, John. <laughs> it's me eating virtual cookies. <clears throat> yep. So, so, so his take on the architect or the evolving role of the architect is, is, and I'll read his paragraph. It says, he says, it's less about oversight than it is about insight, providing an extra pair of eyes so that de software developers can develop the full context and attend fewer meetings. Although that doesn't make sense for Agile. No doubt some individuals in this project support function could be worthy of the title architect, but if it's to die slow and ignominious death by devaluation, it's a designation to be earned, not automatically assigned. So I guess he's saying that there is still a role for the architect in that, that that person usually has a certain level of experience, a certain level of insight into other technologies or say in an organization, they usually have oversight into or, or at least um, access to information concerning other things. Salesforce may Salesforce CRM may be the thing we're working on right now, but it's got to integrate with the back office. It's got to integrate with the data warehouse. It's got to integrate with whatever marketing tool you selected, even if, you know, even if it's something that came from Salesforce. Yep. So it's it's that it's that having kind of that complete picture of an insight into how these tools may interact, you know, what potential issues could arise, and at least providing that and and maybe maybe tempering the requirements a bit. Yeah. Or maybe maybe agile has that covered with the team <laughs> dynamic. You know, and you're, you're always going to have people who are just kind of natural leaders on the team, whether it's they're just, they have more experience, um, they've just got a level of technical proficiency, maybe they've, maybe they, um, they've been in the organization longer, and so they have more political connections and just more rapport with more managers and people in the company. And so in those, you know, certain areas, people... You know, again, they're gonna you're gonna have some kind of natural leaders there, but that doesn't mean that they're okay. We're gonna crown this person. They're the they're the they're the database architect now. No, you don't do that, right? Yeah, th those 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 roles are are starting to disappear. On on a and I don't know if this is a because you know, there's so many different flavors of agile, right? Um, but I, I'm pretty on on Scrum teams that I've worked on in particular, they make it a a point. To have like the guy who's the best in the date with the database, right? To have him work on some front end parts, you know, and he may suck at those, right? It may, it may, he may be slow, and he may need someone to pair with him for like every part of it. But still, the overall good that does the team for the database guy to understand the front end and for the front end get people to understand the database, it, it goes far beyond that, even with the design as well, the user experience. For that for that entire cycle to 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 fully meet, yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't work on. Well, I should say this. I mean, I don't. I don't have as much for someone with my years of experience. I don't have as much team experience as a lot of people do. Yeah, I, th I think that's kind of a product of where we ended up with the platform itself. I mean, we were in in the types of engagements we got. It wasn't. We weren't for the past ten years with working with Salesforce. We're building, we're augmenting the Salesforce functionality. We're adding to it, augmenting you know where where it has gaps and 
doing those type of things, it's not like we're presented with, oh, here's this entire application idea we have that we want to build. I mean, we're starting to get some of that with some of the mobile development we're doing, but I think as a whole, for the last 10 years, we've really been focused on building very modular components of automation. Well, that gets into, I don't, we probably don't want to get into it now, but we could probably, mm, I don't want to say complain. How do I even say this? Sorry for all the noise. People like us, you know, tend to enjoy kind of bigger, more long-term challenging products where we can really dig in and build something of value and build it well. And a lot of times in the Salesforce space, that's just not the opportunity you have. Yeah. That's I mean, probably a topic for another day. I don't, I don't didn't really want to get into that. It's kind of a can of worms, but <clears throat> sure. But I've been very fortunate that I've got have a couple of, you know, um, long-term Salesforce related projects. And I also did a project um, that ended last year that was a, kind of a couple year long um, big um, Java JVM project that was that was great just in terms of um, the technologies I was working with, but the people and also um, just like the process and the team and it was a lot of, it was a really good experience. I wasn't on that, was I? Nope, not. That's why it was such an awesome experience. <laughs> exactly, because I wasn't on it. I mean, I didn't want to come out and say that, but. Oh, I inferred Pe- it. People can read between the lines. I inferred it. Yeah. <laughs> you furted what? Inferred it? Oh. <laughs> Excuse me, I furted. <laughs> uh, just for that, I'll make you talk about lightning. Oh, we're d- I th- no, I, th- I thought I picked Agile. I thought this was a, a dilemma. You a- did, but in this, in this Choose Your Adventure book, it didn't matter what you chose, you're coming back to lightning. Wow, that's uh, what we call in music a, a, a coda. We're, we're DSing <laughs> all coda right now. Wow. Oh, okay. So, so the big news of the day is that um, Salesforce is getting rid of that sidebar in your Lightning experience. I saw that last night. Someone pointed that out. Was that yeah. in the Slack that someone shared that? Yeah, it was. It was uh, I don't know who that was, but yeah, crazy. Well, and this is again. Hmm. Overall, you got it. I got to say that I, I like this. I like. Not only do I, what I like is that Salesforce is saying, you know what, we got this wrong. Yeah. Because they don't do that often, near often enough. Yeah, and I mean they're 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 not half heartedly saying some users don't like that. So or or it well, co- what did they say? Because what I the thing I saw now, I guess it was in the release notes for Winter Seventeen, or well, where was that? Yeah. So so my I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna say something. So my my straw man is that they're not saying that some users didn't like it. So now you have the option of choosing one or the other interface. Winter Seventeen, you're going to get a tabbed interface. You're not going to get a sidebar. Bottom line. There's no, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They are completely saying, we missed the point on that one. We're, we're doing something else now. Yeah. Well, and it's, they're early enough in lightning adoption that they can do this. Right. So they're back to tabs. Um, <laughs> Turns out tabs work and people understand them. By the way, that was Dan G who uh, shared that with us. Yeah. Well, tabs is an interesting topic in terms of navigation. Or as I like to call them, dang. Dang. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do that. <laughs> I do too. I'm not the only Okay, good. I'm not the only one that no, does that. I read dang. it and I go, dang. Yeah. What's up, dang? <laughs> sometimes I don't read it as a name. Sometimes, or, or sometimes you, I read it like as the predicate to the sentence is, dang, this is this, this, this. You or know, if he like, walks in the room and he's like really, really well dressed, looks, you know, he's got his hair done all nice, you can be like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> dang, it's so fine. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> Jeremy started it. 
So in the, this is what it says. This is like this is one of these. What are they called? This is actually a knowledge article, I guess, that Salesforce puts on their public help and training. But it says in the Winter Seven release, we're delivering an improved navigation model in Lightning Experience. Um, one of the primary drivers of this update is to bring the feature of app switching into Lightning. Mm-hmm. Your users will now be up to, they're actually completely, this is a straw man. They are putting up the straw man that we need to be able to easier to switch apps. Don't forget about the fact over here, the main reason that actually the navigation was subpar. Right. <laughs> the existing vertical navigation menu on the side of Lightning Experience will become a horizontal navigation bar at the top of the page. Um, yeah. So there's a few things I noticed about it. and I think Well, hang on. There's another thing. Okay. You've spoken and we've been listening. Based on feedback from customers, partners, blah, 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 we made these changes to help your users be more productive. I mean, that's, 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 that's good. I mean, they're basically saying, hey, this is, we put this out there and based I, on we're listening and it's just not the best, so we're going to change it. So I think, I think a couple of things happen is, is, A, the sidebar took up too much real estate. And sure, you can collapse it down to icons only, but no one knows the icons. Users so, were not able to translate on, those icons into something meaningful. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know what that stands for. Yeah, I don't know what that person that looks like a star <clears throat> is. What is that? Is that a campaign? Yeah. Is that is a lead? You know. So computer screens are they have a certain aspect ratio right. where you have more width than height. So that would support the case for having the navigation the way it is currently in Lightning. Mm-hmm. But mobile devices have it's the other way around. They have more vertical space, so it makes it would make sense to if you had tabs, then you're not you know you're you're taking away from the space which you have more of, right? But there's a separate mobile app for Salesforce, so so throw that rationale on. We're we're now talking about computers, and computers have more horizontal space. Mm-hmm. And they, that's what they were taking up with navigation was horizontal space, the thing you had more to, more to lose of. Right. Now they're moving it to, they're taking your vertical space, which you have less to lose of. Right. And with these, especially these, you know, the, these MacBook 11-inch screens and these ultra portables, between the set Salesforce header and, and the navigation bar, you've got, that takes up like half of the, and, and your browsers, Chrome and all the bookmark nav bars and all that crap, you, that takes up half of your screen. The traditional classic interface does. The lightning interface is actually much more minimal. Have you seen this new one, though? Yeah. A working? Not a working. Okay. Just screen, the same screenshot I saw, or do you see something else? The same screenshot. Maybe. Or you can't may, tell me. Maybe, ne- you'd have maybe to next me. week I'll see some, something more. Well, you probably will, actually. Going to Chai Town. Chai Town. With the MVPs. So here's, here's some things I noticed about it that I think are going to be problematic. So, A, I think the, vertic- the sidebar interface just wasn't working. I think they made the choice a because you're right. There's more ver- there's more vertical space than hor- or more horizontal space than vertical. That's right on a yeah. computer screen. Yes. And what they did is if you had the issue with tabs is if you have more tabs than you have real estate, it goes into the plus icon. So when they moved it to Which the we sidebar, all love that, right? <laughs> when they moved it to the sidebar, you could actually scroll <laughs> the sidebar. So if there was more options than the than you had real estate. You could scroll through okay. it. However, there was no visual indicator that you had more options below. Yeah, right. It so you a, never knew. What do you call that? It wasn't a discoverable feature, right? Right. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, so that was an issue. And then if you collapse it to get more real estate, because honestly, with the new UI, you have a sidebar along with your content in most cases. If you look at the kind of, I forgot what they call it. It's like some kind of summary or overview screen where you can get like 
activity information, just kind of some really quick snippets of information along with a sidebar that gives you some actionable information. And then there's another tab that actually has the details, which is what you're kind of used to seeing in Salesforce, all the fields and everything in the mm-hmm. layout. So you kind of have those two modes. Um, that's still that's still a lot of information to try to squeeze with three panes. Um, so I think they wanted to increase the, the information there. The other issue I think they had is with, um, and again, this is me speculating, is with um, other languages that require right to left. And so I think because that was positioned the way it was, it made it hard for them to flip the screen and position it the other way. Because what I noticed in in some of their documentation for the design layout is they're actually accounting for that space. They're, it's not a, it's a hard-coded space. Like mm-hmm. they, they say, the, depending on the screen size, they'll say, okay, offset this header by 25 pixels because that's what the minimized version of that toolbar takes up. Or when it's expanded, it's 225 pixels or whatever. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually accounted for that in their headers, which I understood why they did that. Um, but again, it caused, I think it causes an issue. Okay. I'm not sure I fully follow that, but I, <laughs> I take your word for it. I'm having a hard time <clears throat> expressing all the different the- issues because I, I've kind of looked at it and I, I, because I look at it from a designer's eye and I look at it from a developer's eye and I look at it from a user experience eye and I could understand why they did it because I, I would have made that same choice as well. I mean, it's it's the trending theme to to do that in terms of responsiveness because you can get a really responsive UI doing that. If you're if you squeeze squeeze your screen small enough, then it should auto collapse, and now it's not taking that much real estate. If you're full screen, then yeah, you have all the real estate you need, and you can expand that, and everything's fine. Um, so I can I can see it from a from a responsive perspective, but I've always thought that responsiveness often trumps usability because it hides so much information. If we talk about the hamburger menu, you, you don't know it's a menu. You don't know what's behind that menu. Yeah, there's nothing actively... that says that responsiveness requires hamburger menus, though. No, right? no. But I mean, the, the fact that so much of, the, of what you can do is hidden means that that is not self-discoverable. It's, well, oh, this is the hamburger menu is such a controversial thing because there are very good academic arguments against it. And I certainly have, you know, champion some of those uh, in the past couple of years. Um, But on the other hand, it's become universal. Everyone knows that that's a thing you can click on to do stuff. So it's, while it's... Because they're trained from from mobile, yeah. So it's, I would say that it's, it, it, it's more discoverable than it otherwise would be because it's so universal now. But the glanceability sucks. You have to click on it and engage it and open it in order to know what your options are. That's what sucks. So my final argument against this sidebar is it is it vi- kind of violates the F pattern. I'm no. not sure if you're familiar with that no, in design. Not. So there, there's a heat map that, that they've oh, done. Yeah. And they, they basically watch your eyes as you're using an interface. And what they found is, is more often the way people read interfaces is they scan left to right, at least U.S. or mm-hmm. English-speaking people. They read well, left, to, left right, to right language, which is yeah, right. most of them. They go down. And they go left to right again, yeah. and then they go down. And so that sidebar is not really in their view. The first thing they see and they're trying to read, you know, in terms of discovery, is that first top line. So moving these back into a tab actually helps that. Because now you can see your first read, you can see all the different modules that you have access to. Yep. I wonder, does Salesforce not, surely they do, those type of, uh, those type of analyses when they're designing such a, 
you know, the biggest initiative for this $8 billion company that they've had in a long time. I know the problem they were trying to solve, and that was the fact that there's not enough real estate for all the tabs that people try to put into an app, a application. So what you're telling me is that everything requires, or everything involves trade-offs, and trade-offs are always hard. Mm-hmm. And it's still going to be an issue. I mean, it'll it'll still have to be responsive and collapse the tabs down into a plus menu that you'll be able to click on and access more. It means you won't have visibility to that. It's a trade-off. But I think the straw man of custom applications is still a valid one as well. Well, I'm glad they're ripping this Band-Aid off now yeah. um, before it gets, you know, encrusted and grown over and, you know, our skin grows around it. That's disgusting, isn't it? So let's talk about some some issues. Have you noticed that every one of the tabs has a drop-down icon? I don't use Lightning, so... Well, I mean, in the screenshot. Oh, I did see that, yes. I wonder why that's there. They don't explain that. Is there going to be a menu there? Why are those icons there? That's a lot of drop-downs, too. It's on every single one of them. Maybe as if it's... If it's a, as if every tab is going to have a standard sub-menu. set of sub Maybe it's not standard. Maybe each one has different things depending on the type of tab it is. That's weird. I don't know how could I feel about that. could be interesting, though. It could be, but I don't know how I feel it, about it, that. It, it, we're going back to the previous navigation paradigm that most applications have moved away from, though. That, that's, this is a 2004 circa <laughs> menu. It is, right? I mean, the drop-down menus, I, I was doing those in uh, 15 years ago. If it's so, good, don't, why change it? Well, that's the question. Is it good? I don't know. Have we not? I don't know. Do we not have better patterns now? Is you know, are those? How are those tap targets going to be on a mobile device? Well, you don't use this on mobile, right? Yeah. What, no, if, what if you do? It's, it's what if you log mobile. into Salesforce on a mobile phone with Lightning enabled? What do you get? I don't. I th- I don't know. I think you get the UI, but it's squished. It tries to be as responsive as it can. I'm guessing. You you don't get Lightning, or you know. do? I don't know. We should try that. Yeah, we should. I've or never someone, tried. Or someone else should <laughs> let us know what it does. <laughs> I, I've tried Classic before, and it, it, it's crap. But <laughs> I haven't tried Classic Lightning. Classic is, is horrible. All right, so some of the other glaring issue is the fact that the app selector that used to be in the top corner is now part of the tabs. My problem with that is that... Oh, this thing on the left. Right. Oh, it, I actually like that better. You like it. You like it because sales is, a, is one, two, three, four, five characters long. Have you seen some of these app exchange application... Names that are really long, mm-hmm. and that's going to push the tabs that's out. That's going to push all your tabs out. Yeah. So yeah, it's great as long as you have a short name, and you can convey the intent of that application in a very short name. <clears throat> right. Um, so I, I kind of see that as a, as a issue. Um. I guess I was going to try to tie this to some of the struggles that Amazon had with their interface because they went through this already. You're trying to get all profound on me now, aren't I am. you? I'm trying to be. <laughs> but Amazon's one I studied in terms of user interface. Amazon is, is a perfect case study for that if you want to study that. But they started out very minimal opposite. It was like books and music. Well, Amazon, I won't say they invented the tabs, but they certainly... No, they did. They did? They yeah. literally invented tabs. Yeah. I think they even tried to like copyright it or something until they got somebody told, fact, no, you can't. Somebody fact check John on this. But anyway... They, <laughs> I think for sure we can agree on that they... They at least popularized... Popularized? Popularized? I can't say that word. Popularized. There you go. Popularized. There you go. <laughs> they certainly <laughs> the did. Right, interface, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they made it universal. Right. Um, but at the time, they had two tabs. But if you go look at, look at Salesforce screenshots from a year, uh, from like 10 years ago, I mean, they looked just like Amazon looked. Well, because Amazon was driving. And in fact, I pretty much 
I'm fairly certain, someone can fact check me, but I'm fairly certain Amazon tried to sue a bunch of people because it, they tried to copyright that UI. And now Salesforce is going to run on Amazon. Tell me that's not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, I think Amazon also tried to copyright the whole one-click thing as well. Oh, one-click. It's, it's not copyright, it's patent. It's patented. It's patented. That yeah. is patented, yeah. Yeah. But they haven't ever, they haven't taken action on it. Like, they say that they patent stuff like that so that no one else can, which is probably... Well, at some point, they actually did try to sue people for it. What? Well, that's the whole reason it became... Somebody fact-check John on that too, please. I'm pretty sure they did. There were other sites (laughs) that tried to do one click and Amazon said, hey, that's our thing. Stop Mm -hmm. doing it. Okay. You know what? You may be right. But still, we need need to fact-check on this. They've grown enough now, I think, that they don't care. But once upon a time, they cared and they tried to sue for it. So anyways, the evolution of the chat... We can do a quick rat hole on this. Do you like one-click checkout? Do you like the ability just to hit one button and say... I cannot be bothered with seeing my shipping address and making sure that it's the right credit card and clicking one more button. I can't be bothered. I want, I want the ability that if someone t- just sits down on my computer for a second, they can go to Amazon and click one button and ship stuff. The problem is it's not one click anymore. It sure is. No, it's not. It is too. It makes you log back in. It well, goes, we, need to make uh, sure, we need to make sure that you really wanted to do this. So log back in so we know it's you. And then you're presented with your shipping options. And then you're presented with some other options. Well, what, what payment do you want to use? Do you want to you want to gift wrap this? It's not one click. Yes, it is. No, that's not that is not right about one click. If I do one click, I don't get any other screen. It's done. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to rant. Okay. <clears throat> but you do have to log in sometimes. Yeah, I think if you haven't logged in recently enough, yeah. just like if you want to search your, you can be browsing Amazon and you can see your. That you're you're logged in, they know who you are, and it's going things are going into your cart. But if you want to like search your see your order history, sometimes yeah. you actually have to. They want you to log in freshly, I guess. Yeah, it's like a, just a reconfirmation that someone just yeah. didn't walk up to your computer and start browsing your Amazon history. I guess. Yep. Security. Um, so what I was going to say is is Amazon as it as it continued to grow its categories and everything, it moved from a tabbed interface to a search interface. And and it, we can tie that in with that's SAP. just that's such a punt though. Is but everything everything's done that. Um, what and is think the think about SAP? SAP has so many modules. There's no yeah. way they can no. they can part some graphical interface. SAP. So what do you do? NetSuite? You memorize the codes of the um, modules that you want. Um, what's the other? What's the, the I think what's the, what's, that the, what's the cloud HR software called? Workday. The, yes, Workday. Everyone's everyone just searches to get. And then, um, gosh, what is the what is the software that I've been using or working on something i don't know it just seems like everything everything ends up with a search interface and i, I think salesforce salesforce is set up yes that has elements of search but amazon and sap both searching is is critical to any kind of module the well i guess for amazon what they do is they give you a drop down of the category you want to search and then you can search within that now sap had had module codes you had a code you knew what your codes were you type it in, hit enter, you go to that interface. Oh, yeah. I can remember um, working, you know, yeah, what year this, this would have been in the 90s on, like, J, was it J.D. Edwards Systems? Um, where you had to know the four-digit code. Right. Of the module. You just had to know. Yeah. There's, there's no other way of knowing. <laughs> no. You had well, to know. Tape to the monitor would be a... Yes. What is it called? <laughs> a, a, a laminated yeah, a cheat, cheat sheet card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, those are the days. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but people got proficient at it. I mean, they were uh, ninjas. Yeah, they Just, were ninjas at that. Yeah, absolutely. F- still, 
that was 25 years ago, still far more efficient than today's modern web interfaces. I remember ter- people <laughs> on terminals, man, they got so efficient. We worry about, That's how, why like, we worry no, about how dumb our users are these days with graphical interfaces. People back then, they were ahead of the computer. They were typing oh, yeah, in commands. Yeah, I know. And they'd, they'd, <clears throat> at one point, they'd sit back and watch it all happen. Yeah, wait for it to, yeah, exactly. You can see it like tabbing through, populating fields. Yeah. They know the order of the fields they knew and the tab order of the orders. Fields, they knew what codes <laughs> put in. They just, and then they'd sit yeah. back. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and, and nowadays we're like, um, let's consider the F, the F model. They're going to scan left to right, and then they might not see what they're looking for. So <laughs> we need to keep that in mind. Whereas, like, you know, look at how look at how much humans have devolved. I know because of computers. We all assume if it's it's not above the fold, it's got to be this, it's got to be that. It's it's like, oh, they're going to have to scroll. Have to oh scroll. my god! <laughs> I worry about the state of design. I, I do. I mean, back in the day. It's no, people you know, who are it is, less we, educated no, on technology. We're having to make c- applications for millennials nowadays. And if you, if it's not above the, listen to Mark Benioff talk about him. If it's not above the fold, if it's one of these things, if it's a computer, you forget it. They don't want to use computers. They don't want to scroll. <laughs> they probably don't. <laughs> I'd. People should know. This is like, this is just a joke. Like, I, uh, I actually don't buy any of the crap about millennials. Like, so when Mark Benioff talks about they, you know, they can't give computers to the millennials. I call total b- bit, bit. on that. Yeah. My sister, I have a, one of my sisters is a, is a millennial, and she rejects all that crap too. She's very smart. She's a ninja on computers. She works for Citrix. She knows. She can tell you everything about cloud computing, like way more than Mark Benioff could. So, but it's I do. I do like to carry along the joke, though, yeah. and have it be a it's shtick. Fine. It's fine. But I do love millennials, and I completely reject all that. The, the, the problem, crap. though, that, that becomes part of the, the culture, the <laughs> pulp culture, I'll say, that people are dumb. They're not going to know how to use this interface. They're not going to know how to scroll. And so we've got to make a, accommodations for that oh, in our design. And, and so what do you end up with? You end up with an interface that is suited towards someone who has never seen the app before, yet the person who's going to be using it for the next two years and who will become an expert on it, you're making their life hell because they're stuck with this bubbly Facebook-looking interface with very low information density, a lot of clicks and tabs into this different tab and scroll and next, next, next to get to the field that I want to see. Right. You're making their life hell. And let's not forget the fact that Lightning is a single single page know, application. Exactly. Right. Which means all those things advanced users usually do, like command-click or right-click new tab, you can't do anymore. No. And and again, this gets back to the whole trade-off saying like, is that wrong? I don't know because... They sacrificed that flexibility for performance because now they're trying to cache information so that as you click back and forth through their tabs, you get a much quicker you've, flash of information. You've, you've got a slider, right? And it slides between novice user, complete moron, and expert user. Where are you going to put it? And if you move it over, you 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 have to optimize for one or the other or yeah. or, or an equal blend of the two. But Salesforce shouldn't be optimizing for the novice. This, these, this is an application for a business that's going to exist Mark for Benioff years. Mark wants to be the next Mark Zuckerberg, and I think this is why he thinks he's going to get there. He's going to have this he's going to have the he's going to have the consumer application. He's going to have the most consumerized enterprise platform in the world. Title again. <laughs> back in the day with terminals, people were ninjas. Mm-hmm. 
Back in the day, we had these terminals. They were so good. They were fast. You could just type your four-digit code. You get right in, tap, 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 <laughs> enter your values, and you sit back, you spark up a stogie, and you watch that computer catch up with you. I have no idea where this is coming from, but this is awesome. Because <laughs> uh, I get this facial expressions along with it. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to have to cut that. Oh, there's Jeremy Bean. <laughs> Jeremy. Jeremy. Jeremy Bean, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, MVPs, 2016. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, and to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. you're doing because i'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to i look funny but yo i'm making money see so yo world i hope you're ready for me now gather round i'm the new fool in town and my sound's laid down by the underground i'm drinking a bottle of hennessy you got on your shelf so just let me introduce myself my name is Humpty. Pronounce it for Humpty. Yo, 